Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, podcast listeners, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, Loop Industries founder and CEO, Daniel Solomita. Loop Industries takes waste PET plastic and polyester fiber, which cannot be conventionally recycled, and turns them into high-value materials. On the podcast, Daniel discusses the sustainability mission at the heart of Loop, details around the process to generate PET plastic from recycled content, the long-term thesis behind plastics recycling, his comments on short seller Hindenburg Research's negative report on Loop, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with Daniel from Loop Industries. Excited to have Daniel all the way from Montreal and Quebec, Canada. Across the country from us, but uh, I'm sure it's just as cold there. Winter season is upon us in Canada. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. I wanted to start off by getting into the history of Loop Industries. Specifically, you founded it in 2014 with a mission to accelerate the world's shift towards sustainable plastic and away from our dependence on fossil fuels. Why is this mission important to you? Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure to have you. Uh... Pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it was really exciting. When I started, I was, uh, I'm a computer engineering, worked at uh, Bell Canada CGI for 12 years before leaving there. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to do something in the environmental space. Uh, I saw that as a huge opportunity. And so when I left uh, Bell, I went to uh, start a landfill remediation project in Greenwood, South Carolina, okay. where we were digging up an industrial landfill that uh, a company, Monsanto, in the 1970s had dumped 40 million pounds of nylon 6-6 fiber in the ground. So just doesn't imagine sound good. 40 million pounds of huge spaghetti strings. Right. Just, and what they did is they basically created this landfill right in the back of the facility. So all of their scrap and all of their waste, uh, for years, they were just piling it up outside in their backyard. And the laws in South Carolina changed where, like in the 1980s, you couldn't keep things above ground anymore. So what these, these companies did is they just dug a big hole, dumped it in the ground, and then covered it with dirt. So, you know, you dig about a foot and a half under the earth, and, you, and there was this huge pile of nylon 6-6 fiber. And so I took over that project. We invented a little rudimentary technology to clean up the fibers. I don't know if you've ever been to South Carolina, but the, the dirt there is like a really thick red clay. So just imagine all these spaghetti strings tangled with red clay. So very mm-hmm. difficult to get the red clay off of it. And so we bought some equipment from the pulp and paper industry, a tornado pulper, which was like a big three-foot rotor stator. And we used to fill the tank with water, dump in the nylon 6-6 fibers, and then the rotor stator used to shred it and loosen up the dirt so the clay would stay with the water and the solid would be pumped out after. And we started selling that material off into the compounding industry where they were using it, doing mechanical recycling and going back into the automotive industry. So that's how I got ex- interested in sustainability. And I saw that there's an opportunity when you have uh, an opportunity to take waste and be able to transform it 
with mildly transforming it, you can create value out of something that has no value. And so that's kind of how I thought about this. During that time, I met a chemist who had the idea for our what we call Loop Gen 1 technology, which is a hydrolysis-based technology that we worked on from 2014 until sometime like mid end of 2017, mid-2018. We started switching over to our Gen 2 which is what we're commercializing today. Uh, and so that chemist had the idea, so we started working together on seeing if what he thought about, can we actually apply that into an industrial uh, technology? Our Gen 1 technology, great technology, good quality. When you're, when you're scaling up technologies, you kind of see where there could be more expensive costs or things. And so that's when we reinvented the technology to be our Gen 2 technology. So from that, you kind of uh, cut your teeth doing this you know, big recycling project. How did you come up with the idea for Loop? I suppose it was this Gen 1 technology. But since then, how did it progress to becoming ultimately a publicly traded company? Um, yeah, great question. So when we started Loop, it was a, a very small, um, you know, we started off as a really small project and went kind of going from at lab scale. And so when we needed to raise money to go from lab to a pilot plant, uh, that's where we needed to find investors to put up some money. We needed about $3 million to do that. And so, you know, the finance world, investing, finding investors was the the least, I had the least amount of knowledge possible in any of those type of things. I really didn't know how to do that. So just went to different meetings, meeting different people over and over again. And eventually probably met with, you know, hundreds of people uh, in Canada. I couldn't find anybody that wanted to invest in the project or that believed in us. So I met these guys out of California who, uh, through their network, said, hey, we can help you raise the money. But to be able to do that, we need you to do this you know, reverse merger into an OTC to become a public company on the junior markets. And so I weighed all my options. I really didn't have any other option to raise the capital. And so that's how we became a public company, initially listing on the OTC markets in the, the summer of 2015. And then we decided to go up from 2015 uh, in 2017, we were kind of like in no man's land on the right. OTC markets because it's you're public, but you're not really public. The credibility is not there. And so our attorneys at the time, Wilson Sensini, said, "Hey, if you're going to be a public company, you know you should move up and become uh, and go to the Nasdaq." And so that's what we did. We filed the paperwork. We qualified for the Nasdaq. So that's how we became a U.S. company, even though we're you know mainly Canadian based. All of our employees are here in Montreal. It certainly adds to the credibility of the story being a NASDAQ listed. Now, I wanted to put some numbers in front of our audience, specifically with respect to the long-term thesis behind plastics recycling. Can you offer up uh, the kind of business opportunity in terms of size of this market? Yeah, so the, the market is humongous. So what Loop does is we break down waste PET plastic and polyester fiber into their base petrochemical monomers, DMP and MEG. We purify that back to their purest form, and then we build that back up into a brand new piece of plastic. So if you think about Loop, we're actually a petrochemical manufacturing company because we manufacture dimethyltariphthalate, DMT, which is a white powder. Everyone else in the world that manufactures DMT starts from crude oil. Right. So when you're going from crude oil to, gas, to gasoline, there's a byproduct, xylene. Xylene is processed to make DMT. And then on the the other product we produce is MEG, which is a clear oily liquid, starts off as natural gas, goes to an ethylene cracker to make MEG. So everyone else that manufactures those two products start with fossil fuels. We manufacture the exact same two products, but we start with the waste plastic. 
and we break it down into those molecules, purify them, and build them back up. So it's really the essence of the circular economy. Uh, so today, the PET and polyester market is about 85 million metric tons per year. So about 65% goes into the fiber, so polyester fiber for textiles, clothing, running shoes, that type of stuff. And uh, 35% goes into packaging. Out of the 35, 25 of 35 is probably water bottles, soda bottles, you know, ketchup, mayonnaise, those type of containers. And then that other 10% is other types of packaging, um, you know, salad trays, fruit cups, that type of stuff. So those, those really the, the markets. It's about 100 and, $180 million per year addressable market right now. Uh, so the market is huge. And what's happening is companies, so the recycling industry needs technology to be overcome its challenges, right? Today, recycling is not very efficient because... Besides a clean, clear water bottle that can be recycled today, most of those water bottles get turned into fibers. So the largest bottle recycler in North America is Mohawk Carpets down in Dalton, Georgia, where they're buying bottles all in, up and down the Northeast United States and Canada, and in Dalton, Georgia, turning those water bottles into carpet fiber. And so they're blending in their carpets about a 25% recycled content in the carpets. Uh, so... Besides the water bottle, nothing else can really be efficiently recycled because there's limitations to mechanical recycling. And that's where chemical recycling steps in. What Loop does is depolymerization. So we don't know, we don't care if it, there's colors, contamination, other plastics, you know, rocks, glass, ketchup, mayonnaise, anything that's in there. Our technology only, spe only specifically breaks down the PET and polyester and everything else gets filtered out of the process. So we can really solve a problem where we can now increase the amount of material that can be recycled. And everything we produce is virgin quality food grade plastic that can go into water bottles of the highest purity. I don't know if you guys saw recently, we launched a uh, first commercial production with Evian, right. the French uh, uh, water bottle company, who yep. for me is you know, the global standard for water, that, you know, the best in the world, purity wise, and it's all bottled in one place in the French Alps and you know, distributed around the world. And so we launched the product with them. So it's going to be the first time that there's ever going to be 100% recycled content uh, water bottle produced by chemical recycling sold commercially on the market. That's the first time ever. And it's coming through our facility here in Montreal, Quebec. So that's the premise. What we give to the, to the brand owners is the highest quality plastic coming from a recycled source. So what's really driving the market? Sorry to get back to your, you know, your question. Man, what's worries. driving the market is more and more governments now are taking the onus of recycling instead of having the taxpayers pay for it because today part of our taxes is for you know those blue bins and the truck to come and pick up our blue bins the sortation right. centers right now taxpayers are paying for it and municipalities are fed up with the taxpayer paying for it they want to put the onus on the brand owner the companies that are making money selling us those products those are the ones that are becoming responsible for what happens to the package at its end of its life so in Europe, there's tons of regulation going on about, you know, governments putting in regulation where you have to have a minimum percentage recycled content in your packaging. Canada came out by 2030. You have to have 50% recycled content in your package by 2030. So every water bottle, soda bottle, ketchup, mayonnaise, everything that's made, the packaging has to be 50% recycled content. So now that stimulates the marketplace and it forces the brand owners to move away from petroleum-based plastics and to create a market for that recycled plastic so that the value of the recycled plastic gets higher and it, it st stimulates that growth. Uh, same thing in Asia and other parts of the world. So uh, uh, there's a lot of exciting uh, trends. Not only are the brands know they need to, know some, need to do something, 
because they're being targeted as the biggest polluters in the world, rightly or wrongly. The water bottle is a symbol of pollution. Uh, so the brand owners know they need to do something, and now the governments are really mandating stuff. And so Loop's plants are kind of like an infrastructure project because different countries around the world are asking us to start looking at their country as a potential spot for uh, the, loop, the loop plants because they need to get more recycled and to have all of those materials that today cannot be recycled to have uh, a home for them and to be able to recycle them. That makes a lot of sense in terms of putting the onus on the brands just to further increase in recycling and this chemical recycling process that you guys, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, everyone knows that there's these piles of plastic junk in the oceans, basically islands of them, and it's a huge problem. So I'm not surprised to see governments and companies effectively being forced to do something about it. So it's a good feel-good story. I did want to get more into the chemical recycling. So you have a process to generate this PET plastic and polyester fiber made from 100% recycled content. Can you get into, you know, it's quick two minutes on how that process works, how the technology works? Yeah, sure. So like I said, it, it deals with two types of plastics, PET plastic, which is the number one used plastic for packaging. So water bottles, soda bottles, you know, food cups, all that type of material, solid trays when you go buy a takeout salad tray and, you know, shampoo, soap containers, and polyester fiber. So polyester fiber for carpets and clothing, textile industry. So that's the, the category of plastics that our technology will break down. And if you think about any one of those products, either a, a polyester shirt or a water bottle, if you break it down to the molecular level, you could just simply think of it as a DMT molecule attached to an MEG molecule. Then you have another DMT molecule attached to another MEG molecule. Another DMT, another MEG. And that chain is what gives plastic its strength. So today, all of those products start with fossil fuels. Like I mentioned earlier, the DMT and MEG come from fossil fuels. So what Loops technology does is at low temperature, we go in and we cut the bond. Our catalyst acts as a big pair of scissors and cuts the bonds that's holding those two petrochemicals together and releases them in their singular form. Once they're released in their singular form, all of the other like color rings, additives, dyes, any other contaminants other than PET or polyester. So you can have like a typical water bottle, you'll have three or four different materials of construction. Typical clothing, you know, you'll have a polyester fiber, but then you'll have mixed with cotton, you'll have nylon, you'll have a zipper, buttons. All those different materials of construction pose a lot of challenges to traditional recycling. So Loops technology, because we only attack the PET and polyester, everything else stays whole and we just filter it out of the process. So that's the way we can handle material that cannot be recycled today. Once we break it down, we purify it simply through distillation columns, which is pretty, uh, pretty common in the food and chemical industry to purify things with distillation columns. We purify the DMT and the MEG back to their purest form, and then we recombine it into brand new plastic, ready to be turned into a new polyester fiber or a water bottle. So I could take an old polyester carpet that you're going to throw in the garbage and turn that to a water bottle for, let's say, Evian, one of our customers. That's really the power of Loops technology. And how does this technology compare to anything else out there? You know, obviously, plastic recycling has been around for a while. What differentiates your technology? Yeah, so great question. So today, and what's been around for a while, is mechanical recycling. Right. Mechanical recycling, what they do, it's, it's all they do is they take a water bottle, they wash it, they take off the cap, they take off the label. It's a very inefficient process. And they just take it 
they shred it and then they melt it into smaller little particles. Mm. PET resin before getting turned into a final product looks like little grains of rice. So they're pellets. And so what they do is they just take a clean, clear plastic and they turn it into those pellets and then they reuse the pellets. Problem is they can't handle any type of contamination. They don't purify the product at all. It actually degrades in quality. So if you look at a bottle made with recycled content or virgin, you'll see the virgin one is nice and crisp and clear, where the other one is usually dark in color or gray and they have to put in dyes. So it doesn't look very good. It's not very appealing. But that only solves the problem for water bottles, nothing else, right? And I, like I said, most of those water bottles get turned into carpets by Shaw and Mohawk carpets. And so you need to find a technology. So Loops technology and the chemical recycling can take any form of the polyester, any form of PET, because we break it down to the molecular level. Now, chemicals for recycling has been around since the 1960s. It's never been successfully done at commercial scale because every single other technology out there trying to do something similar uses high heat and high pressure to be able to break down the plastic. So what they do is they take the plastic and they put it down at, let's say, 250 to 300 degrees Celsius with enormous amount of pressure to break the molecules down, right? to break it apart. That's the problem. Because when you're using a lot of high heat and high pressure to break it apart, it's like slamming it with a head sledgehammer. So if you have other plastics in there, each plastic has its own starting points. So if you have, let's say, PVC contamination, that's a great example. PVC and PET are very diff difficult to differentiate each other. So if you have PVC in your PET stream and you're smashing it with a sledgehammer, you're going to release chlorine gas because that's what's one of the components to make of it, which is obviously a poisonous gas. You don't want to have to deal with it. So by hitting it with heat and pressure, any other contaminants in your feedstock are going to be broken down as well, and it spoils your stream. You can't have any purity on the output. So that's been the biggest challenge, the high heat and high pressure. Because at the end of the day, we're dealing with garbage, right? The right. waste that we're dealing with, it's garbage. You're going to find all kinds of crazy stuff in there. Rocks, glass, ketchup, mayonnaise, who knows what you're going to get in there. So if you have to be very careful that you can't have certain products in there, it's never going to work. So what Loop has done and what's different about what Loop does that's never been done before is how do we break that molecule apart at low temperature? So everything we do is at low industrial temperature, below 85 degrees Celsius, because at those temperatures, none of those other contaminants get broken down. They stay whole and we just filter it out of the process. Mm -hmm. So that's the genius about Loop's technology is being able to depolymerize the PET at low temperature. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Yeah, thank you very much for taking us through the, the the recycling process. It's really interesting, and there's obviously like the the obvious points on why we need recycling that Julian mentioned and that you've mentioned. But when when you look at it and comparing, because you you mentioned 
that the traditional way to make these products, the DMT and MEG, is through petrochemicals. How does the, the cost differ right now with your process versus the petrochemical process? And, and what's the trend of that moving forward? Yeah, costs are, listen, the, the cost of the, petrochem- the pure petrochemical companies, the cost depends on the price of oil. At the end of the day, the price of oil and the price of natural gas drive the cost of commercial DMT and MEG and virgin petroleum-based plastic. It's a direct correlation, right? There's also the supply and demand, obviously, by the customers in the marketplace, but mostly that's what it's driven by. Uh, whereas for us, it's, driven, it's different drivers. So we completely decouple all of our pricing from fossil fuels. So we actually use the waste plastic as a starting point for our uh, pricing formula. So if the waste plastic goes up, then our price goes up. Waste plastic goes down, our price goes down. Because we believe with all of the government regulation, with everything that's happening and the brand owners needing to have more sustainability, that price of the raw material is going to continue going up. And so we'll capture that on the upside. Uh, But I'd say we're very competitive with the petrochemical industry, except we have a different model. Petrochemical industry is very high volume, big plants, lower margin. We're smaller plants, smaller capacity, higher margin. So that's kind of the way you balance it out. I did want to get into the plant level economics because you did mention, you know, they're smaller in nature and better profitability. Reading through your investor presentation, you have this, you call it the infinite loop manufacturing facility. Can you describe how that works and and give some numbers with respect to the estimated economics behind it? Yeah. So the infinite loop is really the solution that I designed to be able to go in one facility, take waste plastic break it down into the monomers, purify the monomers, and then build it up into a brand new piece of plastic. It combines loop front-end technology to go from the waste plastic to the DMT and the MEG. And then we use, we license Chemtech's Invista's technology. So Invista is one of the pioneers in PET. It's owned by the Coke family. So Coke, Coke Industrial Solutions. Yep. And so they have the technology that goes into making PET plastic. It's a tried and true technology. It's been around for over 60 years, they have over 175 plants running around the world using their technology. So I didn't need to reinvent how to make the PET. I had to reinvent how to make the, the petrochemicals. And so that's where those infinite loops combine, combine their technology and our com- technology all into one facility. So that's kind of how we built that. The initial capacity is 70,000 tons per facility. Uh, that's, that's what we're targeting initially. We think that's a really good size for a country you know, a, a decent a decent population in Europe, that's probably good for one country. Uh, you know, when you start thinking about China or Japan or other th- uh, Thailand in Asia, you can go much bigger because there's a lot more people living in smaller area, you know, denser populations. And so you can grow that to higher, uh, uh, higher uh, capacity facilities. But our first three flagship projects, we have one in Quebec, one in France, and one in South Korea. And those are all uh, up to 70,000 tons in capacity per year. The unit economics, you know, uh, revenue from a facility like that is generally about 150 to $170 million in revenue. Um, the costs are broken down where you have about feedstock, about 40% of your costs are feedstock related, so the waste plastic coming in. You have a conversion cost, about 30% of your costs are, are, uh, are strictly conversion costs, so the energy and catalyst and everything it takes to transform the plastic, uh, the waste into brand new plastic, and then another 30% fixed cost, which is generally labor. So 
know, you're looking at somewhere, you know, margins somewhere north of 45% EBITDA margins for a project like that. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And obviously, EBITDA margins of 45% are, are fantastic. Can you, can you shed a little bit more light on the pricing agreements, that how, how those pricing agreements with your customers work, as well as the, the value proposition from their side and some of the unit economics from their perspective as well? So, um, like I said, the pricing contracts start with a waste plastic formula. So today there's an index for waste water bottles. So when the waste management companies collect those blue bins, they sort out most of the water bottles, some of the water bottles, and they sell those water bottles in a bale. And so there's an index on what that costs cents per pound. So we use that as a starting price. And then out of the bale, you say how much of the bale is PET. So there's a conversion in there. Plus we add a loop conversion cost to it to get to the final sales price. So today in North America, sales price is somewhere around $21.50 US dollars a ton for, for the plastic. Uh, unit economics for a brand owner, such as, let's say, a water bottle company like Evian, it's less than half a penny per bottle, let's say, increase that you'd have to pay over virgin petroleum base. So it's not a tremendous amount of cost that goes to the consumer if you wanted to charge back the consumer at the end of the day. The value proposition for them is A, they get virgin quality, so petroleum-based quality material. So the best quality coming from 100% recycled content. So that's really the value proposition that they get. The quality, 100% recycled content, which is very hard for them to do today with mechanical recycling. Today, what they do is they take the mechanical recycled and they blend it with the petroleum base. Usually, they get somewhere between 15 to 20, 25% recycled content. But as more and more governments start mandating uh, more recycled content, they need to find a better solution. And so that's really the value proposition for them. And right now, there's not enough material on the market. So being able to recycle stuff like carpets and clothing provides a new dimension where now there's going to be more and more recycling uh, available and more material available on the marketplace. So that's really the key to what we deliver for the customer. Plus, there's the intangible benefit of you know, being environmentally friendly and lowering the pollution levels. So that is obviously a great story that those brands can tell to their customers and assist them with marketing and meeting their ESG goals and, and things of that nature. So doing my uh, research on, on Loop, I did come across the negative report released by short seller Hindenburg Research on the company. They posited that Loop will never generate any revenue. I want you to discuss your growth plans and address their criticisms. Yeah, so Hindenburg came out with a short report last year yeah. All complete bullshit. I mean, at the end of the day, none of it was all false, all fabricated. They never visited the facility. They don't know anything about our technology. It was purely motivated to take a shot at loop stock, make it drop so that they can benefit because they're a short seller, right? right. They're selling shares that they don't own at a price, which 
if you think about it, it's crazy. Is there anything else in the world that we can sell something that we don't own? We can't sell a house if we don't own it. <laughs> right. We can't sell a car if we don't own it. But you can sell a stock if you don't own it. Right. And then you can manipulate the market to drive down the price of that stock and buy it cheaply to profit off it. So it, it's a complete, it's completely ludicrous what they let short sellers do. And to be able to do this in the marketplace, it's just criminal, to be honest with you. That's my thoughts about it. But you know, that was last year. We proved them obviously wrong by that. Our stock price is trading well above the price when they put out that bogus report against us. Since then, we've signed SK Global Chemical, one of the largest chemical companies in the world from South Korea, uh, bought 10% of Loop at a premium price. We did a partnership with them to build our technology across Asia. We signed a partnership with Suez, the large French waste management company, to develop our first project in France. And most recently, we just produced our first commercial volumes of resin for Evian, which is going to be generating revenue from us, even from our small facility here in Tarban. So. I think all of those things put together kind of put um, Hindenburg's thesis uh, to bed. Actually, if you look at the short seller, they've come down where I think at the height, they were about 4 million shares short. Today, they're like 2.8 million shares. So they've covered about 2.2 million shares. The stock dropped about five bucks. So I would say they you know, profited somewhere in the $10 million range by putting out that bogus report. So I guess that's their business model and they have to live with it. But it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, the technology speaks for itself. Our partners speak for itself. And you know, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for us because you know, very soon we're going to be expanding on multiple continents, having production in Europe, North America, and Asia to be able to supply these global brand companies uh, with materials. Really exciting. Polyester fiber right now is like, we're not even talking about that, but the polyester fiber market is so huge. And that's why the partnership with SK Global Chemical, which changes name to SK Geocentric, is so important because all of our clothes, all of our shoes are manufactured in Asia right now. Right. And so to be able to recycle polyester fiber, either into a water bottle or back into a new fiber, is such a tremendous market opportunity that we definitely see Asia being the largest growth market for us. So the first facility is going to be in Ulsan, South, South Korea, and we're going to be breaking ground on that facility in uh, Q1 of 2023. And then we have Thailand, uh, sorry, not Thailand, uh, Vietnam, China, Japan coming up very quickly after that. So huge expansion plans for us in Asia. And the partnership with SK really has every single element a technology company, an industrial technology could ever want. It has a strong strategic partner who has, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the financing capability to execute on multiple projects. They run chemical plants around the world, so they do all of the operations. Uh, so they're a fantastic partner. And Loop gets a licensing fee back. So we get not only a, a partnership as we own a, you know, we own a part of the facility, but also we get paid a licensing fee back. So you know, the, our future as far as revenue, not only do we get money from selling the resin to the customers, but we also get a licensing feedback from our partners. So same thing for South Korea, Europe, and in Quebec, where we have our first flagship project here in Canada to help Canada meet its targets. You know, by 2030, they put two targets, end plastic waste, and to have 50% recycled content in Canada. So, you know, having a facility here in Canada to supply the marketplace with recycled content is going to be important. You know, hopefully once we do Quebec, we can do one out west to support the western United States as well. Right. Now, the west Canada, sorry. 
Yeah, and certainly it's easy to see the macro tailwinds behind uh, the recycling story, right? That's super simple to see. Uh, it's a massive problem globally in terms of plastic waste, so we need to get better with that. So kudos to you in terms of you know attacking that problem with really unique technology. And with respect to short reports, see them often on companies. And the best way to get basically fight back is to execute. And it looks like you guys are executing. So congrats on the partnerships with SK Evian. Uh, looks like things are going great at Loop. So investors, if you're interested, uh, ticker is super easy to remember, L-O-O-P on the NASDAQ exchange. So Daniel, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story and the opportunity at Loop Industries. Super cool what you're up to. And uh, we'll be watching the story and wish you the best of luck. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. All right. You as well. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.